what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Right across the table from me is Chris. How you doing, Chris? Doing well. I'm looking forward to discussing movies, and Oktoberfest happens to be in Hickory this weekend. That's right. If you are listening anywhere in the vicinity of the Hickory, North Carolina area, the beautiful downtown Hickory, North Carolina area, we do have Oktoberfest coming this weekend. I tell you, my only goal for Oktoberfest weekend every single year, Chris, is funnel cake. That's it. Not Uh, an oompa band and a hot pretzel? Well, that's always in the background happening, but got to have the funnel cake. As long as I have a funnel cake walking away from Oktoberfest... Mission accomplished. Okay. All successful. That's fair. Uh, it does get a little crazy downtown about this time of year. Our parking lot, which our building for our studio is really right next to the downtown square. So yes. our parking lot basically becomes the spillover parking lot for Oktoberfest. <laughs> I'm expecting true. to see that be the case as soon as we walked out of the studio this afternoon. Yes. Be a beautiful weekend. Beautiful time to be outside, but let's not talk about being outside. Right. Let's talk about being inside a dark, dark <laughs> darkened, <laughs> quiet theater. And as we talk about our films for this uh, this episode this time, uh, before we get into those real quick, you are listening to TheMesh.TV. This is our online podcast network of audio and some video programs, putting out shows on a regular basis. We've got a nice library of shows at this point. I believe we've got 14 programs we put out on a regular basis, not but Candle sure. Films is just one of them. But you can actually go back and listen to any old episodes on TheMesh.TV. You can comment on any of the shows. You can send us a message, all of that. So we really love to hear from you, and uh, we'll remind you again before the show ends on how you can reach us there. Chris, today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to have two big reviews. We're going to be talking about the latest film uh, from Ron Howard, which is the film Rush, starring Chris Helmsworth. Thor, as you may yes, know him. Thor. Yeah. But then first, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the new film from uh, Alfonso Cuaron, starring George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, called Gravity. But once we finish those two previews or reviews, then we'll go into some news. Then we'll talk about a little bit. We'll answer a question or two from the inbox. And we'll close out the show with our recommendation. Uh, films that you ought to check out online or available in some other format that you can watch from the comfort of your own home. It's films that maybe you've overlooked or not aware of. Sound like a plan, Chris? Yes. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Let's get into our first review, which is the film Gravity. <laughs> Chris, when the film Gravity was announced, I don't know, a year ago, I think I started hearing some rumblings about this film about a year ago or so. Uh, These are the kind of pieces that I was putting together when trying to evaluate whether I was going to have an interest in this film. Uh, It is directed by Alfonso Cuaron, 
who, for those of you maybe not familiar with his work, his last big film was the film Children of Men, yes. which Chris, big fan of? A fan of. I'm not a big fan of, but definitely a fan of. I was a fan of it from, from a true technical nature. I think the craftsmanship in the film, really good. The premise of the film was also very good. What a lot of people have probably seen, but maybe not even really putting the name with the film, was one of the Harry Potter films, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. My personal favorite of all the Harry Potter films I've seen. I think it might be mine as well. Yeah, I think he just really added a nice touch to that film that really put it in a whole different level than some of the other ones. But now, one of the films that he got really acclaimed for many years ago, uh, Itu Mama Tambien. Yes. Did I say that right? Yeah, I, I think I was yeah, pretty close. close okay, yeah. close enough. Uh, that was a film that he got a lot of acclaim for, kind of put him on the map. Then he went on to do Harry Potter. Then he did Children of Men. He's done some other smaller projects in between, but really those have been the three big films. Gotcha. So now I read about this. I said, okay, director is Alfonso Cuaron. That's interesting. Uh, then we learn it's George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, who I'm not a big Sandra Bullock fan. I do like George Clooney as a presence on screen. Sure. Sandra Bullock could take her or leave her. Then I'm hearing it's a sci-fi film. We're not even really a science fiction. It's to me, science fiction is a whole different label than a fictional story that's based on science. Right. Do when you agree? I mean, yes. this is not a sci-fi movie. This is a fictional story, but grounded very much in a realistic world of science. Yes. Okay. So fictional science, right. <laughs> fiction about science instead of science fiction. So now I know you're a huge sci-fi fan. I you, am. I mean, again, we Not could go. Science, we man. could go back to the whole Prometheus thing. So, yes. you know, of course, we know that you're a big science fiction fan. This being a little different in that it's not fantastical in any way. There's no real sense of, uh, you know, something original or unique. I mean, this is all very much a grounded in reality story. We have the story of a medical engineer and an astronaut working together to basically help each other survive after a very, very frightening uh, accident taking place up all these feet up in the air, up in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're up there working with a uh, either a satellite or something. I'm not even quite sure what it is they're repairing at the beginning. Right. It's really not that important. The whole yeah. thing is uh, they're, they're, where they are at that point gets hit by debris yes. that comes from a satellite being shot down or being destroyed. It causes you know, most of their crew to be killed immediately. The two of them are left, and they have to really just help each other get through this, this situation and try to get back home. The premise is very, very simple from that standpoint. Knowing that you're a big sci-fi fan, but knowing this wasn't really a typical sci-fi film, but it is has that space and space exploration type side of it, and knowing that you generally have some positive feelings about Afanzar Quran as a director, I'm really anxious to hear your thoughts. I know, we, of course, we've both seen the film. We did not see it together. Sure. I haven't had a chance to talk with you about it. We intentionally don't talk about our films until we review them. This, last time was spectacular. Well, now, but, so. <laughs> yeah, but this is probably the most anticipated film for me to hear your take on because I'm really curious what you thought of this film. Technically, this film, you know, as you've probably heard, you've seen, if you've seen a trailer, then you know this already. Otherwise, you've heard people buzzing about how the technical aspect of the film and the look of the film, the cinematography, the special effects, all of that is amazing. Okay. And it's worth, it is worth seeing. However, I will say for me, the story was non-existent. I wouldn't say I found myself bored, but I found myself restless. I expected more. It was cast away in space. Um, and that's, that's all it was. And I've seen, you know, cast away in space with Tom, or cast away Tom Hanks on an island. You know, it's kind of like, how am I going to survive? This was that, but up in space, how am I going to survive? And I just found it kind of repetitive. A little it bit. It had never been done before as far as up in space. The environment was new, mm-hmm. but the idea was not that 
interesting to me after the first scenario or two played out. And I just, you know, it's like, for instance, a movie that was based on something that happened in real life, 127 hours. That was interesting. It was a survival story, but because it was based on real life, it actually was more interesting to me. This was the same survival type thing, but it was in space. But yeah, you know, it just didn't have a whole hmm. lot for me. So technically you're giving it high marks. I mean, you're saying technically it's, it's something to see. You're just let down by the story itself. It just really didn't help captivate you as much as it could have. Correct. I mean, I think if you are interested in this movie at all, I would encourage you to go see it in the theater because unless mm. your TV is a really, really impressive and you have a really impressive home theater, it's worth seeing it in a movie theater because the just to see how they shot space. And it's amazing because it convinces you that he did shoot it in space. He yeah. didn't. But it, it really, unlike any other movie, it's like they're constantly floating. There's all this stuff going on. And you never have a sense of gravity. You always have a sense of zero gravity. And to pull that off for two hours or 90 minutes, however, well, an hour and a half, yeah, hour and a half to pull that off for that long is pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So for that feat alone, I think it's, it's got to be admired, but okay. you know, after the spectacle nature of it, I think, I don't know. It's just not that impressive to me. I'm similar in my thinking. I really liked the film. I really enjoyed it. I'm with you on the story. Some of the moments trying to to follow the character or characters from scenario to scenario and why they had to go from one spot to another and what they're trying to do was not as well communicated and it didn't really engage me as much in the follow through of that story. En- engaged is a good word. Yeah. If you'd have told me, and I, there's when you see a film like this and people still talk about it, it's like, oh, the sci-fi thriller of the year. And like you said in the setup, very good job of doing that. It was a fictional science story, but it is not sci-fi. Oh, no, no. There's nothing fantastical whatsoever (laughs) about it. The word you used, engaged. I expected to be more engaged, and I wasn't. And I don't think it was just a matter of my expectations going into the film. I just think there wasn't a lot of meat on the bones. Yeah. I uh, Now, technically, I'm with you. I thought it was a beautiful film to watch, and uh, I found myself more times wondering how they made the shots as opposed to really being engaged with what was going on in the story. Now, so if you want to look at it from a technical standpoint as a piece of work that you want to examine and watch and experience, it's great. It's absolutely phenomenal. There are some moments, especially I'm never a big fan of point of view shots. I think point of view Hmm. shots are gimmicky, Hmm. but yet in this film, I think they were brilliantly used. And the fact that you even had a little bit of a glass layer in front of you what looking through just like you would be seeing through their, their helmets got you would really impressive. And those are moments I really actually thought were probably the most engaging parts of the film when I actually felt like I was watching through their eyes and seeing what they're having to deal with. So from a technical standpoint, I thought it was, it was genius. I think just there again, almost like children to men, Children of Men had a lot of long takes. That was like that film was really kind of revered for. Is it had I think three sequences that were incredibly long single There's takes. A car chase sequence. The car chase, and then the whole towards the end uh, during a war breaking out, a battle. I mean, it's following our main character up and down flights of stairs, all through a building, all one continuous take. I think there were there were. I mean, there was the first scene was a long continuous take in this movie as well. I think it might've been 10, 12 minutes or so. And I think there were a lot more in the film too. It's just, they all just kind of blend together. You don't really notice if they're cutting a lot or if they're single takes. So technically he's still keeping on this, this idea of, of making the film very challenging to watch, to make and to watch and experience visually. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. 
Uh, but I am with you on the story. I thought it was just uh, I didn't get as engaged. I didn't get as engaged with the characters as I guess I really wanted to. Where it was more, I was watching them from a procedural standpoint to figure out what steps they have to go through to get there, as opposed to caring about them to really want them to survive. And I think that has a lot to do with the storytelling involved. Visually, right. almost perfect. Storytelling left a lot to be desired. I agree with you on that. And upon reflecting on the film a little more. I th- as a director, I think Karan is one of the best we have going. Mm-hmm. He wrote, he may have co-wrote, but I know he at least wrote the screenplay for Gravity. He co-wrote it. And, okay, he co-wrote it. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Children of Men was based on a book by P.D. James mm-hmm. and, of course, the Harry Potter book. I think we've heard of that. It's yep. J.K. Rowling. So he is a wonderful director and can adapt source material like nobody's business. But with Gravity, I think it could have used some source material other than just a screenplay. Well, it it is almost like writing to the technical nature of the film. It's almost like I've got these ideas for these sequences and shots. How do I stitch it together into a story? Interestingly enough, Mm -hmm. um, not Wikipedia, but IMDb, I was looking, researching some things last night and I saw that he at one point supposedly wanted to be an astronaut himself. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, and you know, of course that didn't turn out and we got a wonderful filmmaker instead but I wonder if it was kind of like, I want to shoot a movie in space. I don't really know of a story I want to adapt. So I'm just going to throw this screenplay out there and I'm going to do it because I know I can do some really cool stuff. Yeah. And he's right. He could. It's just, you that's know. kind of how it seems like it might've happened. And right. uh, now let's talk about some more specifics of the film likes sure. and dislikes. Uh, of course, you know, a huge majority of the film outside of the technical spectacle of it all. You've got two main characters, two main actors we're, we're, we're dealing with here. You've got Sandra Bullock as Ryan stone. You've got George Clooney as Matt Kowalski. Uh, and let, I did not know this until I looked up on IMDb. I did not realize Ed Harris was the voice of mission control, okay. which is uh that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. But really we basically have the, really those like two characters, 13 reference. Yeah, too. exactly. So we have those two characters kind of carrying the whole film. How did, how did you feel either or, or both of them did? I thought both of them did well. Um, uh, it was Sandra Bullock really has, it's, it's her movie, the weights on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she did an okay job. I wish she could have story-wise, I wish she could have had more to do, Mm -hmm. but for what she was given, I thought she did a good job. I would be surprised, uh, if she didn't get an Oscar nomination. Uh, and Um, I think it's deserving to really, I'd be really shocked. So I think, and I think it's deserved. This is by far the best thing I've seen Sandra Bullock do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never saw the blind side, so I know that's what she got her Oscar for. I know she was supposedly good in that. She, I I just saw it. She was good. Yeah. Sure. But this to me, I thought she really pulled it off when she's given the chance to be, have her emotional scenes, which I'll get to in a minute when I talk about my dislikes, Ah. I thought she did a great job with the scenes and the, the, the scenario she was given to work with. My concern is, that those scenarios were given to her to work with. But George Clooney, I thought was serviceable. I mean, I like George Clooney as a presence. This, he was playing no different a character than he does in just about any of his other films. He's the charming kind of smarmy guy. He's got a lot of funny comments. He's the kind of lighten the mood a little bit. He didn't do anything outstanding, but he also didn't bring the the film down with him. I didn't think so. I mean, George Clooney is one of those people in general. I go out and see movies because of subject matter or directors in general. Mm -hmm. But George Clooney is one of those people that I will, I would be interested in seeing almost anything he's in. Sure. Because I really, and you, I mean, yeah, I guess he does kind of play similar care, but he's just so good at it. He's good at and it. I, and the movies that he's in are different enough from each other yeah. that it's not like, so yeah, I mean, I guess in a way it allowed me to focus more on Sandra Bullock's character because I kind of already know yeah. what George Clooney's character is. It's like, oh yeah, okay, this is George Clooney in this movie doing yeah. this history. You know within the first 30 seconds of his dialogue, you know his character. Right. 
Sandra Bullock's character was a much, much more complex character. Yes. A lot more things going on in the background, a lot more yes. things we learn and understand about her. Sure. So she definitely had the more challenging role. George Clooney had, I won't say the simpler role, but it was a much more straightforward uh, character to play. And we pretty much had him pegged pretty early on, I think, right. with that. So the film, the film does spend most of its energy and attention for the audience focused on the spectacle. Yes. You're right. The story is thin. Uh, I don't think, you know, they really set this out to be this deep, provocative, huge, engrossing story. They wanted the spectacle with some threads of story between it, maybe. But they do try to go... A little on the, uh, a little more on the uh, dramatic side, I think, in the latter probably thirty minutes of the film, right. where up until that point, it's basically been a survival film. Mm-hmm. It's been a procedural. We have to get to this space station. We have to preserve oxygen this way. We have to do this. Right. Uh, you get to the last twenty thirty minutes. It starts to go a little on the more dramatic side. Sure. There's actually a scene. I'm not going to give away anything, but there is a scene late in the film that breaks with the film a little bit yes where we all of a sudden go from a very realistic procedural everything authentic to a scene that kind of takes you back for a second until right. you realize it's maybe the not really maybe not really happening the way we're seeing it happen that took me out of the film for a moment that actually was a little jarring because i wasn't expecting that scene that 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 seemed to happen beyond that it was pretty pretty straight and narrow on things you do have a, a, a kind of the emotional scene with uh, Sandra Bullock's character for a while towards the end. Sure. I did think that those scenes felt a little forced in the way that they were presented to us. It was almost like we've got these characters up to this point. We've got to show this breakdown and let's cram this breakdown into this little 10 minute segment. And then all of a sudden breakdown's gone and we're moving on. I felt it was a little forced. It didn't play as naturally to me, the kind of character that we had there. That's, uh, that's interesting. I know the uh, reference point you're making and to put on my uh, foot candle tap dance shoes, I shall do the little dance. <laughs> yeah, um, have fun with that. Try to dance story. around it. Yeah. Um, but I will say that for me, it actually kind of brought me back into the film a little bit because hmm. everything was just so kind of repetitive that that little kind of that instance, I was like, oh, okay, what, where's this going? It kind of woke me up. So it was like a welcome jolt to right, you. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, I can see that. It definitely jolted me. Right. And that it was not at all what you expected. And, you know, you kind of, as the scene's going on, you're wondering, how is this even possible? And then right. you come, yeah. It's, um, it was an interesting choice mm-hmm. in the film. There again, we're, we're trying to go very anti-spoiler on this. But uh, overall, it was a pretty straight and narrow, like you said, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, a castaway, castaway in space for the most part, but with less, I think with less emotional digging into the character, I think we were still very much on the surface of Sandra Bullock's character until like maybe the last 20, 30 minutes of the film. I'll say too, that it was impressive, which would have provided me for some more story elements to be richer or something for me to latch onto that. I might've liked the film better. If, they would not have stayed with Bullock the entire time if they would have done flashbacks or how, but no, they, she's there, she's on screen and they stay with her the entire time. And I have to give them hats off for that because that's kind of a challenging to the audience. It's like, Nope, here you are. You don't get to break away. You are stuck adrift in space with her. Mm-hmm. And that says, I mean, I hats off for yeah. that. Technically a marvelous film. I think we both agree story was somewhat lacking and we wish it had gone a little deeper and a little better with the characters and give us a little more of an engaging story to attach to. But again, I, I wholeheartedly endorse people to go out and see it just for the spectacle of it and to go see it in the theater setting. You saw it in 3d. I did. Yeah, I did too. And I thought the 3d assisted the film a little bit. I mean, it wasn't essential, 
But I do think it definitely didn't detract from the film. I think it actually did heighten that experience even a little bit more. Yeah, I don't want to play this off because it's popping into my head. I don't want to play this off as the 2013 version of Avatar. Mm-hmm. You know, Avatar, everybody hyped. It's like, oh, you've got to see in the theater. It's amazing. You know, all the technology and everything. And then afterwards, and everybody, you know, I thought it was amazing when I saw it. But then you start to think about, oh, the story was horrible. It kind of fell apart. The acting, a lot of it wasn't that great. You know, the acting is still good here. The visuals are amazing, and it is worth seeing the theater. So it's not Avatar. You know, I yeah. don't want you to get that thing in your head that I'm right. trashing it that much. But Well, you and I are not generally big fans of 3D in general. This is a film, though, I do say if somebody asked me, should I go see it in 3D, I'd say, yeah, I think you should. I think it's worth seeing it in 3D because it does add a little bit more of a, a of an element. There's actually a kind of an interesting scene where they utilize the 3D where uh, one of the ma- one of the characters is crying. Oh. And the tears, because this is in space, I mean, the tear and they're inside the ship crystallizes and basically floats off the face. And it okay. is maybe a little gimmicky, but just it was one of those extra touches that watching in 3D, you, you just felt a little more immersed in it. I, 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 I actually probably wouldn't lobby for 3D. Now, granted, I would really? need to see it not in 3D to be yeah. able to judge the two. But I felt like... Seeing it in the theater big is what's important okay. to give you this sense and Maybe like an IMAX space. setting would right, be the key. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, I would probably lobby for that. It's probably amazing yeah. in IMAX. But to get the scale, I would say see it in the theater. But the 3D, I really didn't sense it that much. The one that I did really sense was the one you talked about, which I did think was gimmicky of the floating tear. Yeah, so it was neat, it was- though. I liked it. <laughs> Okay, so gravity we are giving an endorsement to, but with some reservations and just know what you're what you're going in for that we think is impressive and some areas maybe it fell a little short in. All right, well let's move on to our second review. We're going to talk about Ron Howard's latest film starring Thor, uh, Chris Helmsworth, and the film is Rush. The closer you are to death, the more alive you feel. Good, James, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. He's a nobody. Look at the way he's driving like an old man. Right now, it's zero incentive. Why would I drive fast? Because I'm asking you to. This is an incredible battle between these two great drivers. Alan, are you feeling the need for speed? <laughs> Oh, uh, you wove in a Top Gun reference. Uh, you just made this my favorite episode ever. <laughs> oh, okay. Rush director Ron Howard apparently thinks that audiences are feeling the need. Six Fast and Furious movies aren't quite doing it, apparently. So Howard has chosen to make a film that relates the story of the fierce rivalry between 1970s Formula One racers James Hunt, played by Chris Hemsworth, and Nikki Lauda, played by Daniel Bruhl. Do you think this latest entry from Oscar winner Howard is worthy of being released in Oscar season or should it have been released in the mindless summer blockbuster season? Oh, wow. That's a really good question, Chris. Let me let me let me answer your question with a little bit. Just get to know me for the listeners out there a little bit. This is get to know Alan, get to know Alan's likes and dislikes when it comes to films. I have a very odd relationship with Ron Howard as a director. Okay. I'll just go ahead and say that. I, you know, love, I grew hate, up, love, hate relationship? Uh, yeah, you could say that. You know, I grew up, obviously, in the 80s. And so when we had films like Cocoon and Gung Ho, I mean, I still, Gung Ho was just <laughs> awesome. Wasn't it great? Okay. Michael Keaton yeah, was so yeah. great in that. Splash, Willow even. I mean, Ron Howard in the 80s. 
was I was really shaped some part of my film going experience growing up. I can see that. Even going into the nineties, we get close to Parenthood, which I think is a good movie. Okay. Backdraft, I actually really enjoyed, even though I'm one of the few, I think. <laughs> Far and Away with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, I still think is a very underrated film. I like it a lot. And then we get to Apollo 13, so we're linking back to our story, uh, our discussion of Gravity. He did Apollo 13 95. That's a good film as well. All right, then 2000 rolled around, and <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas came out. Okay. I'm on record as saying I absolutely detest that movie. As much as I love the original story and I love the original cartoon version, my gosh, is this a horrible, horrible, horrible movie to the point where I was about ready to just flush anything else Ron Howard had done out the window and say, you know what? That really just made me angry. There's not that many films that make me angry. (laughs) That film made me angry, much like Man of Steel made me angry earlier this year, but we won't go back into that. So I really haven't seen any of his films since then. I've actually been kind of turned off by Ron Howard. Wow. He did A Beautiful Mind. Haven't seen it. Really? Nope. Cinderella Man. Haven't seen it. You've seen Frost Nixon. I saw Frost Nixon and I did, did think that was good. Okay. Um, I saw The Da Vinci Code. Hated it. Um, <laughs> didn't see Angels and Demons. And then the last film he did was a film called The Dilemma, which was Vince Vaughn. And I mean, I'd never heard anything about it. At that point, I just kind of figured, okay, he's done. I mean, he's, he's going back to TV world. He's going to, you know. He's going to do his producing of Arrested Development, and that's basically all we're going to have. Which you are a fan of Arrested Development. Uh, Yeah, I am. But uh, So then Rush comes out, and I'm really torn on it because I like racing movies. I like car movies. I like car races. I like watching that on film. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of drama and tension that can be done there, but it's also very tricky to pull off Hmm. a really good one. Okay. So I'm already ambivalent about it. So I probably would not have gone to see this film if I didn't think we were going to review it. Okay. So that's where I am with this. I'm just giving you all that backstory to help you understand. It's a very contentious relationship with Ron Howard. Got you. Uh, Ron Howard, to me, is the, one of the safest movie directors known to man. And I think that's a real detriment to him, hmm. that he does not push the boundaries any more than he has to. I feel like things are spoon-fed to the audience as much as humanly possible. I think he crafts it for the most crowd-pleasing format possible as well. And I just don't think there's anything challenging about his films. Okay. I will say with Rush, I saw some glimmer of hope that he may be wanting to try to be a little more daring in his filmmaking. Not enough to call this a daring, adventurous film, but for a Ron Howard film, sure. It was a little more on that side of things. We've got this whole race. uh, It's based on a true story. We've got the situation where we've got competitive racers in Formula One. We're looking at James Hunt, who's played by Chris Hemsworth. And we've got Nikki Lauda, played by Daniel Brühl. Right. And uh, it's following their relationship. It's following their competitive nature and their different career paths and how they kind of coincide. And then what happens as there's an accident later on uh, involving one of the racers. Uh, I'm real torn on this film. Really? I, I'm really torn on it. I, I thought it was a very generic standard biopic, once again, following the same beats where we don't really get to go too deep in any aspect of their lives. We get the surface little events that we have to stitch together. Hmm. Although I love the fact that we're following two characters and we're seeing the similarities and the dichotomy between them. That I thought was really interesting. Okay. I'm overall positive on the film but not ecstatic about it i'm saying i'm generally recommending it to people if they like the subject matter there's one main reason i would recommend this film and i'll get to that in a minute but i want to hear what your your take is i i I like the film and i a lot of it has to do with the two the two main actors and if you'd have told me that i would like the guy who plays thor i'd be like ah whatever but 
I mean, he's he's so good at what he does, and I don't really, you know, like for Thor, he's just kind of he's a presence on screen because he's this big guy with you know golden flowing hair, you know, whatever. But he he does that well, and he's he's got a little bit of the humor. And in this movie, he's basically playing Thor driving a race car. Yeah. But he, the thing that impressed me about the movie, with both actors were able to do, these characters, both Lauda and Hunt. They've got a lot about them that's there's not there to like. I sure. mean, there's, they are kind of jerks. Both of yeah. them are jerks. One is a perfectionist jerk. That's mm-hmm. the Lauda character. And the other one's a playboy jerk. That's, yes. of course, pretty boy Thor, you know, Hunt. But yet, as an audience member, I credited it to the director, the writing, and the actors that they made me like them despite themselves. You know, even though they were being jerks, you could see, like, no, these are interesting people and I, it made me care about them, even though my best, <laughs> even though I was wanting not to, or just yeah. be like, oh, they're just idiots, or they're just egomaniacs. Why do I care about these people? But I did. And I, I think that's a was a strength on the film. And you were mentioning, I actually don't think I've seen a lot of race. I've never seen Days of Thunder. Mm. Um, I, actually, I haven't seen so, that one either. Okay. So, yeah. so I actually haven't seen a lot of like, you know, sports NASCAR movies mm-hmm. or anything. So I thought that the cinematography and the editing of the film made, of course, racing is exciting. There's tension there, but it didn't get too frantic or hard to follow. Like, I felt like I could follow the action. And yeah, I think it was pretty good with, with handling that. And it's tough with Formula One racing, too, just because the cars do look very similar. It's hard to tell True. them apart many times. I think they did a good job of letting you follow the action on it. Again, I think it was the most daring filmmaking I've seen Ron Howard do, which isn't saying a whole lot. But it is still the, the the best thing I've seen him do in quite a while, and I agree. I think the racing scenes were very well done. Um, it was a different style of film for him. It was it had a had that seventies grain to it. It was a lot more kinetic editing. Uh, it was it was definitely more impressive than I've seen him produce in a while. Well, you've talked about which I guess I'd never thought about it quite that way, but his films are tend trend towards the safe, very safe, and he kind of. You could say he takes the rough, he smooths out the rough edges of all the characters. Yes. And that's what was surprising me in this film is Hunt and Lada, they've got some things about them that are not nice. And he doesn't file away, he just kind of puts it out And there. even the moments that so. you start to feel like the film's going to lead you down a path of liking these two characters, he normally doesn't let it go all the way to that point. So you still pull back and realize, oh, no, they're still jerks, but right. you know, at least they're maturing jerks. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's it, there's a progression, there is a development in the film, but it's not ham-fisted. Oh, look, this situation has now changed everybody and everybody's different now. It's not It's not like that. Go ahead. I'd say the, one of the negatives that I have, because you know, I'm, it seems like I'm a little bit more positive about it I think maybe a little bit. Yeah. But, um, one of the negatives that I do have is there's a final showdown race showdown between the two. And after that, the film kind of, I feel like kind of wraps up really quickly. It does. Some a montage sequence. And I felt like that was rushed. Mm. I will say though, there is still a a moment in an airplane hangar between the two. And if there was to be an Oscar moment of lines delivered in a moment, that would be that was it. a good and scene. I thought that was really strong and a good way to kind of go out. Yep. So no, I agree. It was a, that was a, my favorite scene of the film was the very last one. Basically, okay. thought that was really well handled. I'll go and go on record as saying, uh, yeah, I thought I thought Chris Hemsworth was fine. I mean, he really was playing Thor as a playboy Thor. Sure. And that's fine. It worked for him. He he fit the role very very well. I, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role better of that character. He and some of the the nuances that he, in addition to being you know the playboy jerk, but one of the nuances that he had that you saw kind of develop was that 
he was very nervous about. Oh yeah, he was very insecure. See it. Yeah, but he would vomit before every almost every race, and then he had this like nervous twitching. twitching. Yeah, and I thought he handled that really well. Like he's cool on the surface, but yet he's nervous as all get. But they didn't beat it over the head with us either. I mean, they just said, "Oh, look, he's over there throwing up before the race, and look under the table, he's twitching." So they didn't really call a whole lot of attention to it. It didn't become this big plot point, but it's like it did let us peek under the surface a little bit of the character. I gotta say though, Daniel Bruhl, wow, I really liked him in this film. This is a guy that you know. A lot of audiences probably not that familiar with him. Uh, in Glorious Bastards, he did have a part. He was the sniper that was the hero Nazi sniper in the film. Right. Um, he had a little bit of a role in the Born Ultimatum, which I don't remember him from that. And I think uh, he's also in the Fifth Estate right now too, I believe. I'm um, looking forward to that movie. Yeah. So, um, but I thought he was really good as Nicky Lauda. I mean, this is a complicated character to play. This is a perfectionist, a, strate- a, a strategic racer. Very little personality, you know, even to the people close to him in his life. Right. Um, there's yeah. a scene late in the film that normally they would have played up as the big emotional romance scene between the couple. And it didn't go there. I mean, right. he made a decision based on his relationship with his wife. But yet they didn't it didn't go down the Hollywood path of playing it up as a big embrace and right. a big whatever. It's like he just acknowledged that I just made this decision because of you. I'm done and moving on. Right. I thought that's a that was a really really good character to play. And so I think it was give, you know, and you got to give. Well, I guess it was an event that happened in life, so you can't really give the director of the screenplay credit for that. But the handling of that moment, no. I feel again, like, I'm not saying rule, but yeah, this is the best thing I've seen Ron Howard do since probably Apollo 13, and I think because he was a little more adventurous with this, gotcha. I almost get the sense that he wanted to try some new things with this, and I really liked it. It was still the typical trappings of a biopic. I did do think it did a lot of jumping around. I think the Olivia Wilde character who played uh, uh, James Hunt's wife midway through the film, I mean, I mean, it was like three scenes and it just jumped from spot to spot to spot and we're done. Yeah. I felt like a lot of the movie was still that way. It's like, okay, we have to show this scene and we got to show this scene and then we got to show this scene mm. and jumping from scene to scene. That I always just hate in a biopic structure, but I do like the fact that it was two characters were following and it gave it a little bit more of a back and forth to kind of play around with. Well, and their, you know, their rivalry, I was unfamiliar with it. Mm -hmm. Same here. It was worth, it was interesting to me to see the development of that and how they continued to handle each other. That was, that was really interesting. I guess one thing I absolutely detested though. Okay. I'm curious as to what this is because I don't. The voiceover narration. Uh, which I just thought was ridiculous. I mean, it didn't even sound good. It was almost like an afterthought where it's like, wait a minute, people aren't going to quite know what's going on by both of them. Uh, Both of them, they use some, but it was heavy in the beginning and then it didn't use it throughout the rest. And then it tapped in a little bit at the Mm. end. It was very inconsistent. And even just the tone it was recorded in just sounded very flippant and almost like Hmm. not keeping in tone with the rest of the film. I just thought that was very off putting didn't work for me, the voiceover. I generally don't like voiceovers. It, it didn't It didn't detract for me, but hearing your comments, I guess yeah. I could see that as a valid criticism. Okay. It didn't, didn't do it for me. But overall, I'm generally satisfied with the film. I thought it was fine. I just there again. Uh, I think it could have been better. I think under a different director, I think it would have been a really, really good film. Hmm. Under Ron Howard, I think it was a serviceable film and it was one of the better Ron Howard's films in a long time. But I just, you know, I really want him to be a daring filmmaker and try new things. And he was starting to experiment with it in this film. So I'll give him credit for that. Maybe we'll see what the next film comes. Uh, Maybe he's in talks. This I'm going to run into trouble because he's in talks to do 
uh, adaptation of the Neil Gaiman book, the graveyard book. And I love that book. Hmm. Um, so. He was also in talks at one time. He's no longer in talks, I believe, to do the Dark Tower series. Oh, Stephen King. Wow. So if those are the kind of choices he's going after, I'm all for that because that definitely sounds a lot more interesting material to tackle than the latest Vince Vaughn comedy or, <laughs> you know, whatever else. We're trying to adapt the, the Grand True Stole Christmas. Sure. These sound like challenging projects. So maybe he's kind of getting to a point. He's saying, you know what? I really want to push myself a little bit. I want to try something different. I really want to be a little more daring in the, the projects I go on. And I'm all for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Rush. And then, of course, Gravity, we talked about a little bit earlier. Both are still in theaters right now. Gravity just started last weekend as we recorded this. Rush has been out for a couple weeks. But uh, sounds like we're encouraging people to check out both films. They both have some good merits and qualities to to see with that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hit a few news items. We're going to address a question in the inbox and then close out with our recommendation for the episode. Stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films. Hi, I'm two-time Greater Hickory Kia Classic winner Jay Haas. Please join me in a fantastic field of Champions Tour players at Rock Barn Golf and Spa for the 11th annual Greater Hickory Kia Classic at Rock Barn, October 14th through the 20th. Weekly grounds badges are just $50. Individual tickets are $20 per day with proceeds going to charity. Get your tickets today at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. I am Alan. This is Chris. I'm pointing to the person across the table. For those of you obviously not seeing what I'm doing, Alan and Chris here. We're with uh, the Foot Candle Film Society, and we're talking about movies here on Foot Candle Films. We just finished our reviews of Gravity and Rush, uh, but let's go into some movie news for a little bit, Chris. Okay. And let me, I'm just going to go and make you a promise right now, because I noticed over the last few episodes, I think I've gone kind of heavy on the sci-fi superhero genre news movie so i'm making a commitment right now for this new section no superheroes no sci-fi stuff okay is that fair enough taking the no superhero pledge yeah just for the next 10 minutes or so anyway film festival circuits we're getting close to oscar time yes okay i think they announced the nominations in january and then we start having the ceremony in february or maybe march something like that Mm -hmm. so we're getting close Mm -hmm. a lot of good films are going to be coming out over the next couple months as they're trying to get in that december time frame for making sure there are oscar contenders on the time frame there sure well the new york film festival is actually starting up here right about the time we're recording this or or pretty close to it i think it's coming up pretty soon we've had the toronto and the chicago yeah actually it's kicked off september 20 so okay. it's actually going on right now. We're finishing up. Okay. Uh, just reading a good article. This actually came from Cinema Blend website, but they kind of summed up five films that they kind of see as the you can't miss that are playing at the New York Film Festival. So okay. for me, that's kind of a good way of saying, all right, here are five that we may be hearing more about Oscar time. We may um, be reviewing. We may be reviewing. <laughs> okay. And right now I will go ahead and say it five, all five of them ones that have not come to our multiplex yet. Okay. One of them I think is starting this weekend. So we've got the chance to see one locally. Hopefully the others will be here soon. Um, some of these we've talked about, some we haven't. I just want to get initial take. Are you interested? Not interested? Uh, what, what are you hearing about these films as we go through them? Okay. Uh, the first one we have talked about before. Uh, the one I'm terribly excited about, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Okay. Coen Brothers film. Uh, that one, I believe, is starting and coming out in December. 
This is their follow up. Their last picture was True Get, True Grit, which did pretty well box office wise. Was actually a, a very big hit for them. This is Inside Lewin Davis talking about a folk singer, their musician's journey, and some of the relationships and situations he finds himself in. It promises to have a lot of good music. Uh, we're looking forward to a good performance by Oscar Isaac in the film. I don't have to ask you if you're excited about this film. I know you're interested in I it. So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's the directors, Coen yeah. Brothers. So. And the trailers Oscar, have been... Oscar Isaac, remind me who that is. Good question, because I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, he is, he's been around for a while, but not any big roles. Okay. So he's been a much more smaller role uh, actor, and he's now getting a real nice spotlight shown on him for See, this. I've done my diligence... Because it has not been shown in theaters yet, I have not seen the trailer for the movie. Okay. So I don't know who he is. Like, I don't, would I recognize, have you seen the trailer? Uh, yes. You probably would recognize him, but he would be one of those faces like, I know I've seen him somewhere. Gotcha. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Captain Phillips is the one that is coming out this weekend. And that is uh, Paul Greengrass's new film who, you know, United 93, he did, I think, a uh, couple of the Bourne films. Right. He's a very provocative, challenging filmmaker, takes on very heady, serious material on things. And so here we have a very much like United 93, taking on a very grueling, terrifying situation that did happen in real life, stripped from the headlines kind of thing. But the interesting thing is we've got Tom Tom Hanks in the lead role, which I know Tom has done serious roles before. Mm -hmm. To me, this looks to be probably the most gritty, realistic, serious role we've seen him do. It's going to be up there. So I'm really, I'm, interested in the scene i can't or the film i can't say i'm like eager to go see it mm-hmm. but it is one of those that i think i will be interested in finding out how it does and how it's perceived and if i get a chance to see it you know I, i'd be curious about it more sure. than anything how about you are you got any curiosity in this film at all not really because to me it seems like it's zero dark 30 for 2013 you know it's the serious gritty real life thing that really happened i'm sure the acting will be fine the direction will be fine but i'm just i don't go in for those type of movies. It's not my genre, but because it does have a lot of award buzz, I will see it. Okay. All right. So, and I do think that's probably going to get some award buzz uh, Oscar time as well. I think it's just got all the right elements working for it right now. All right. Here's one we haven't talked about, although we have talked about this actor recently in one of our reviews, Robert Redford. Hmm. We talked about, uh, what was the film we reviewed? God, I've already forgotten Uh, the name of it. The company you keep. Yeah. That's how, memorable the film was for me uh that was the last film that he was acting in we didn't tear much care for the film he also directed that film i believe too i believe so now he's got another film he's in called all is lost and this is by uh director jc chander who did margin call which i've never seen but i heard good things about gotcha. and what we've got here is even kind of flashing back to your comments about uh, castaway a little bit of that same idea it's a single solo sailor braving a brutal weather conditions on a damaged boat. Hmm. And my understanding is the film is mostly Robert Redford on screen dealing with the conditions, dealing with the situation. Uh, The reviews out of cans were really good for this Hmm. film. Uh, Supposedly he puts in a really stellar performance as well. I personally will say, I think it'd be nice to see Robert Redford really act and perform really well in a film because we didn't get it in the company you keep. And I can't think of another film in the last 10 years that he's been in that I really remember or or can think of. So uh, any interest there for you? I mean, not, not, not a a terrible whole lot. I mean, I think it would be interesting to see if you can make that, if there's more story than was in gravity, you know, if you can make it interesting guy stuck out in a boat, how does he survive? So, so far the Coen brothers are the, the highlight for me. All right. Well, let me throw another one out there and just see if this one might, might step in or not. Okay. Ben Stiller as oh. an actor and director. This is the secret life of Walter is Mitty. Is he directing it as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Adaptation of a short story. 
And I'll tell you, this one, it's, it's based on a, I think he's a, either a photographer or art director or something working for Time Magazine. Okay. And where he tends to daydream and gets lost in his, the world he's exploring and, and reading about and seeing photographs about. Uh, it does star Kristen Wiig as well, as well. So you would think it'd be comedy, but everything I've seen from the trailers looks to be, it's a fantasy. Right. I'm sure there's probably some comedic elements to it, but I think it's got a much more of a dramatic tone to it. I, the only thing I know that Ben Stiller's directed... I think he directed Zoolander that he also starred in years ago, which I think is hilarious, but sounds like a very different film. Right. He also did Reality Bites back in the uh, 90s. Yeah, that was what a film he, he, I think he wrote and directed that one as well. Okay. Um, Yeah, it seems like it's a Cameron Crowe film, but it's not. Yeah. So I'm curious about the film. Thoughts? Have you seen the trailer? Do you have any? I have. Because they show it at the Carmichael a lot. They show it at the local theater. So every time I've seen a movie, I've, I've seen it. It looks good. I like Ben Stiller okay i really like Kristen week i've read the short story that it's based on it was actually a story that we had to read i guess in middle school maybe or maybe it was early high school so i've read the story it's based on and it's like you know a five page story you know, really yeah short, really short, short. Story. so it'll be interesting to see how they could stretch that into a movie but um i am i am curious about that one well it's got a nice look to it and it does seem to be a lot of fantasy, a lot of uh, various locations in his mind, and how much is real, how much is not, that kind of feel to Does it. Does it state what it's rated? No, I haven't okay. seen that yet. Because I'm curious, because it is coming out, I think it's the major release is Christmas Day. Yes. And I would like to take, the, I like to take the kids to yeah. the movie. It'd be Christmas nice Day. if that was a kind of a good PG rated film that right. people could see. So we'll see. So, huh. uh, one that is definitely not PG rated, but number five on the list of five can't miss movies playing at the New York Film Festival. Blue is the warmest color. Oh. This is, um, yeah, this is one, if, if you haven't heard about it, and I'm not even going to try to butcher the director's name. It's a... Uh, complex foreign name and I'm, I'm, I'm really out of respect I'd rather not even try to butcher it so yeah, I recommend you look it up if you want to see the name of the director uh, it was a big sensation at Cannes it walked away with the Palme d'Or trophy it is about two young girls falling in love and supposedly it's a very a very intense look at true love and relationship and it's supposed to be very un, 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 uh, unflinching and, and hmm. very you know also very provocative in the way it's uh, portraying the two the, the relationship uh, I think kind of a not rated or uh, NC-17 rating. So okay. a very, my understanding, very, very uh, interesting film. Um, not one we're going to get here in Hickory, North Carolina yeah, anytime soon. So. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. But that is one that is getting some acclaim as well. So is, again, it, a, is it a foreign film? Yes, okay, it, is. it is. Foreign yeah, it is foreign. The the young co-stars, they're both you know actresses from another country. Uh, Adele Exatropolis and Leah Sado give heart-wrenching performances that transcend language barriers. Hmm. Anyway, I'm hearing really good things about it, but there's also been a little bit of controversy where the two actresses have gone on uh, in the public and basically said how horrible the filmmaking experience was and the director really? was to them and everything. Really? So a little bit of a little bit of that going on in the behind the scenes. Huh. But that's there again. I, I kind of can tell from your face you're a little you're you're I'm, not interested you're not interested in the film. I'm not, but, I'm not terribly interested in it and I'd be curious to see from the, just the nature, it sounds like it is has a lot of intense, you know, sexual material yeah. in it, and it just sounds like because it is dealing with two women, it sounds like it would be more exploitative than it would actually be revealing any like true nature or being sure. real. It sounds like it's just there for being exploitation. No. So I'd be curious to see if, despite an NC seventeen rating, they could actually handle the material in a sensitive dramatic way even if it is intense does that make sense mm-hmm. no um, absolutely so 
because from the from the description and everything, it just sounds like it's just there for shock value and everything. So yeah, and I'm I'm I I don't think that's the case. I mean, okay. I think from everything I'm hearing, it's actually kind of a you know. It's a well-made film, and it's a very realistic portrayal. And uh, I don't get the impression that it's um, ex- exploitative at all. Right. It could be, but everything I'm reading sounds pretty pretty promising with it. Okay. That's the five. They're kind of uh, highlighting. It sounds like out of the five, really, the only one you're truly interested in is Inside Lewin Davis. Well, and Walter 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 Mitty, Mitty maybe as yeah. a second. And I'm, I'm the same way. Those two are the two that stand out for me the most. I'd be interested in seeing all five of them, and if I get a chance, easy chance to see all five, I probably will. But that's uh, that's where I am with it as well. So. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to do something a little different for our other news item here, Chris. Uh, I know for a fact that you saw two movies recently that are out in theaters right now that I did not see and we have not reviewed, but I know you saw them. Thank you, Letterboxd. So so I'm going to give you one minute for each of them. Okay. As I give you the name of the movie, I'm going to start the timer going here, and you've got one minute to tell me your thoughts on the film. And you're just going to buzz me when it's when it, my minute's gone. Yeah, I'm actually uh, got my little Pick iPhone set here. the most annoying like ring thing, like a foghorn or I don't know. Let's see here. What, what's the most annoying? Oh, that's not annoying at no, all. Let me find like an annoying song. Hold on. You got to have something. Oh, there's <laughs> got to be like a really loud. Yeah, I mean it is the new iOS seven, so. That's all right. We'll do this. Pretty one. good. <laughs> so this is the uh, this is what we're gonna do. So you've okay. got one minute. First film, Runner Runner. Okay. Uh, yeah, Justin Timberlake, Ben Affleck. It's just your summer action schlock. I mean, it's all to do with online gambling. It is gambling, just like I guess Rounders was. Yeah. It's there's not much there. The performances aren't bad, but there's just nothing. You know, but if you're looking for a mindless movie and you like Justin Timberlake, I guess um, it's. <laughs> It's was okay. was Ben Affleck better than he was in Argo? He showed a little bit more emotion. Yes, he did. He got really excited when he could throw meat to crocodiles and they would attack it. So, there's really there's crocodiles yeah, in this there movie. Are crocodiles in the movie. Yeah, and it you know, it's how was Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake. He didn't have a suit and tie on. He did have a suit, but he never had a tie with it. I don't think. <laughs> um, he was he was okay. I like Justin Timberlake, but it's not like a, a standout performance. I think it was just you know paycheck for both of them, and they. Went and bought a new car with it or something like that. Yeah, it's not not outstanding. Probably would not recommend it. I guess it'd be a safe way to say it. But if you want a mindless movie, Redbox. Ah, there's our one minute. Okay, okay good. We got that got that down. Okay, very okay. nice. Thank you, Chris. That was very good. And we'll do a second movie now here since we got our going thing going for that. Hold on, I can't turn my timer off now. <laughs> my gosh, that's good. That gives I'm me stuck. That gives me a little bit more time to think about the movie that you're going to ask me about. Because I do know. I, I don't understand how I'm, I'm not turning the timer off. <laughs> oh, iPhone, iOS 7. Uh-oh. You're killing me. Okay. And second and final film on our one minute Chris Fry reviews. Uh, this film would be Don John. So, yeah, Don John's title character done by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's the writer and director and producer of the film. He is the main star. And it's all about a young man from Jersey and his struggles to kind of find, I don't want to say true love, but find love that's worth having. He goes out on all these one night stands and he is basically addicted to pornography, hmm. um, which is handled in the, I don't want to say the most tasteful way possible, but it it's not there just for exploitation value, but it does, it is featured prominently in the film. So, you know, don't take the family, not a family film, <laughs> not a family film, um, but it's interesting in what it says about relationships and family and also touches on religion. He's Catholic. His family's Catholic. And so it's, 
It's a very interesting film, a good first directorial effort from mm. uh, Mr. Gordon. Did he write it also? Yes, he did. Okay. And so it's interesting that this is what he chose to do for his first directorial effort in writing it. So. Okay. The one minute Chris Fry reviews. <laughs> we're done. We got two done. I think that's something we're going to have to do if either of us have seen a film that, the, that we're not officially reviewing. Just do the one-minute synopsis. That's enough. That's and, all we really need to hear about the, the film. the most annoying ringtone or yeah, alarm right. tone. I got to find a better one because that really wasn't that annoying. I want something that just really blares and like really startles they you when like it comes the, out. They have the Star Trek like red alert class. Yeah, I need like a siren or something. Right. So, All right. Well, thanks for that, Chris. Sure. All right. Last thing before we uh, finish to get onto our recommendation and start to finish out the show here. I did want to call everybody's attention. I know this is a little more only going to apply to those of you that actually live in the general vicinity of where we are recording here at the mesh studio, which is Hickory, North Carolina located in the Western, uh, Western part of North Carolina near the mountains and a little North of Charlotte. Uh, we actually have a special screening coming up by our foot candle film society on Wednesday, October 23rd. Uh, the film is waiting for Mamu. And this is a documentary. Uh, it's a shorter documentary. I believe it's only about 40 minutes or so. The actual director of the film is going to be in attendance. Uh, it's Tom Morgan, who's coming to, do, to, to, to talk about the film. What we've got here is a film, and I believe it was shot in Nepal. Is that correct, Chris? Yes, sir. And uh, it has to do with uh, documenting a woman that, well, basically in, in Nepal culture, if, if, an, if an adult is convicted of a crime and sent to prison and they have a child, under their care, the child goes to prison as well. So the children are basically growing up in prison, uh, waiting for their parents to get out of prison, which may be by the time, you know, maybe by the time the kid's 18 years old. I mean, who knows? So this woman who was also recently profiled as a CNN hero, which the film is about, she's basically put us upon herself to go out and actually take these children out of the prison setting during the day go get them experiences with life and get them out there and uh, uh, seeing how to grow up and how to, you know, experience life since they're not able to do that in the prison setting and then takes them back to the prison at the end of the day. That's her, her life mission now is what she's wanting to do. Uh, fascinating story. We're really excited to be showing it. Pushpa Baznet is the woman that, uh, we're, that the documentary is about. Okay. Thomas Morgan is the director who will be joining us on Wednesday, October 23rd for a special screening at the Carolina Theater in downtown Hickory of this film. Susan Sarandon and Morgan Spurlock are both producers, executive producers on the film. Okay. He's gotten a lot of acclaim, a lot of attention from the Hollywood community for this film. So we're expecting some really good things from him as a, as a documentarian in the future. Sure. Um, he's got a fascinating story to boot. So just uh, want to throw that out there, and it'll be on the Foot Candle Film Society website, which you can look and find at footcandle.org, uh, information about the screening and any other uh, details about it. Okay, Chris, we're almost to our recommendation, which is the last part of the show, but I did want to go dip into our inbox for one question. Okay. We did get one listener question that I thought would be fun to talk about. Okay. Uh, just because it did, <laughs> this is actually a story I can relate to even from my screening I went to last night. Oh, okay. Uh, so in, in the inbox, we had Naomi from North Carolina, here in good old North Carolina. Excellent. I uh, didn't see what city it was from, but in North Carolina, wrote a question. She was very curious about our movie watching habits as they re- relate to each other. Gotcha. Her question was, do you guys watch movies together? And then she said, if you do, how are you, what are you guys like in the theater and with each other? Gotcha. I guess what she's asking is, you know, do we talk? Do we talk about the movie before, after, whatever? She's, yeah. she's just writing very curious about our, our engagement level during the film viewing process. So do you want to take that until how, uh, what our t- schedules typically sure. entail of? Typically, we both, since we are like working in 
running all over the place typically, and because we want to keep the show interesting, we won't go see movies together. Typically, yes. we try not to do that. Very rarely do we see a film very, together. Very rarely. I think, I'll speak personally for me, I like to get there before the previews start. Same Even though here. I don't like to see a lot of previews, but I just don't want to take any chance of missing the first of the movie. So I know if I get there before the previews start, I'm going to make the first of the movie. So you're one of, like me, I have to, I have to be there at showtime. If Absolutely. the film is a 10 o'clock show, I got to be there by 10 o'clock. You know, Even though I know there's that. 20 minutes of commercials and trailers, I still Absolutely. like, I don't want to take that risk that they decide this one time that they're going to start the movie at 10 five. Right. For whatever reason. Right. So. And my wife will say like, oh, you know, well, if it starts at 10, you know, it's not really going to start till 1030. I'm like, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way with you. So I'm, I'm and I, I am also pretty particular on, I like to be about halfway back in the theater and I like to be in the middle, um, in yep. directly in the middle. And that's where I like to be. The sweet spot. There is one, but if it's scary material, such as the movie mm-hmm. we reviewed recently, Prisoners. Yes. I like to be all the way at the back with no one behind me. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could see that. So, yeah. Um, I'm very similar. I have to be at the movie theater at the actual showtime, not 20 minutes in, just thinking I'll skip the trailers. I generally like watching trailers anyway. Gotcha. I do not enjoy commercials in the movie theater, but I do yeah. like, I don't mind watching five back-to-back trailers. I know some people right. will groan about that, oh, I love it. but I do love too. It. I think the trailer is part of the movie going experience. So I'm with you on that. I sit in the same kind of spots, you know? Yeah, but you and I, we don't go, A, because we have various schedules and kids schedules and all that. But two, also, I think it's awkward to go into a movie and sit there and watch it together and then not talk about it afterwards, which right. we do try to bring our perceptions to the mo- about the movie to the recording studio here and be fresh with our opinions. It'd be really awkward to walk out of the movie theater and like not talk about the film. So true. I will say, um, Nami, one notable exception. This mm-hmm. was long before foot candle films came into being. <laughs> oh, I think uh, I know where you're the going. Mesh came into being. Alan and I were at a conference in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, I believe. And we went to go see Fargo mm-hmm. and it was a later night screening. And, you know, we were in the big city, but you know, we're like, Oh, it's yeah. close to the hotel. We'll go. And, there was an individual who would shout things out and mumble to himself. And this is Fargo, which, you know, is kind of, I mean, it was a Coen Brothers movie. I liked it, it was, but it was kind of dark. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. actually one of my least favorite Coen Brothers movies. Huh. And I wonder if it's tainted from that experience because the guy kind of made me nervous. He was, he was scary. He yeah. was kind of a scary guy. I still remember that, that screening. And that's still, actually, I had a close situation to that even just last night going to see Rush. Oh, really? Yeah, I walked into the theater. It was a 10 o'clock showing, which, okay. you know, I, 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 do, I, I do like going to the late screenings. And uh, two other people were in the theater. And uh, they were sitting about three seats apart from each other. Hmm. And as I sat down and the trailer started, uh, this one individual started talking very loudly, shouting at the screen, commenting on what's happening on the screen. Nice. Uh, oh, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, I know where this is going now. Really loud, deep, booming voice. And this is a small movie theater. Okay. So even though I got up and moved to another part of the theater, trying to get away from the voice as much as I could, it was still echoing and booming. And it was distracting. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't scary like our Cleveland situation yeah, was. Fargo guy but was frightening. But it was still annoying. So okay. hmm. I will say this to anybody who sees me walk into a movie theater – that I'm going to go watch a movie. Um, don't talk to me when the movie's playing. Oh man. Don't yeah, do it. I mean, I'm sorry. Just well. don't talk to me. You know, I, you can talk to me all you want before the movie begins and after the movie's over, but during the actual movie, no, don't talk to me. Do not make noises and be loud and talk with your friends around me because I will get <laughs> terribly, terribly annoyed. I, I'm, I'm the same way with, and also when I'm watching movies at home, do not talk to me when the movie's yep. on. Um, same if way. You have a question, Unless it's a movie I've seen a hundred times okay. and the kids are watching, yes. you know, that's yes. okay. But if it's like a movie I'm trying to watch and actually 
follow. Yeah, don't talk to me. Yeah, don't talk yeah. to me. <laughs> so I guess um, from what I understand, there's a theater out in California that never been to but want to called the ArcLight. Yeah. And they have that policy where there's no strictly enforced policy of no talking, no cell phone. I don't even know. Do they do food? I don't even know if they allow no, no, food. But they, they had the same kind of policies at the uh, the Alamo Draft House as okay. well. And where basically, you if you text, if you get on your phone and text, or you start talking, they're going to come and kick you out right, right then. Right. I'm all for that. I mean, my thing is, I yes, I do like to have my phone visible and on silence, but at least it will notify me if there's an emergency. If right. my wife or a kid, something's going wrong, I do want to have like a text message pop up, but I will leave the theater right. to respond or to do anything with it. And I will certainly have it on silence where it doesn't make any sound or any kind of noise. Sure. Um, but other than that, no, I want it perfectly silent. So fair enough. All right. I think we're very similar in our moving going habits there. So thanks for the, uh, thanks for the question, Naomi, just a little peek behind the foot candle films curtain there, there about us. Okay, Chris, man, we've been talking for a long time, but we still got to finish up on one last part. We always like to close out our show with our online recommendation, a film you can find either on Netflix, iTunes, Amazon, wherever it may be that maybe you missed, maybe you're not aware of, whatever it may be. Chris, you want to give us your recommendation first? Yes. Um, it's getting, it's October. This isn't a horror film, but it is a thriller, which, you know, for me, I don't go out and see horror films, so thrillers right. as close as I'm going to get. Uh, it's from 2007, and it's a Spanish film. It's called Time Crimes, hmm. and it is similar in nature to Primer. Okay. Um, and it does involve, obviously, from the title, it involves time travel, um, and it's it's really very simple and without a lot of uh, special effects. Mm-hmm. It still achieves time travel and still achieves like heightened anxiety and you know the thrill nature time crimes time crimes and the director and writer of the film and he has a small role in the film is nacho violando which Whoa, is fun to say which i love that so, name so. yeah i mean nacho yes <laughs> so yeah uh, I, I recommend it it is um on itunes and streaming on netflix time crimes mm-hmm. I, I mean i think i've heard of the film but i really didn't know anything about it so and you said it was available on Netflix? Yeah, it's definitely available on Netflix. I believe it's on iTunes as well. Okay, great. Well, my recommendation is a film that, you know, actually you can probably help echo with this because we actually screened this film last night for our film society. We uh, we had the pleasure of Nathan Ives, a writer, director, uh, visiting North Carolina for a while and showing his latest film. The film's called It's Not You, It's Me. It's a romantic comedy. I'm kind of hit or miss on romantic comedies. I really generally think most of them are pretty bad. There's a few exceptions. I really do like Notting Hill. I like some other films that are a little little step above smart-wise on the romantic comedy side I'm okay with. Sure. When Harry Met Sally, I still think is a great romantic comedy. Uh, This one, you know... Uh, honestly, when I saw the trailer, I thought, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to really enjoy this as much. Mm-hmm. I will say it's a really good film. It is an independent film. It's a low budget film, but it actually looks really good. I mean, it's well shot, well made. You've got some, uh, actually some actors and actresses you'd recognize from it. Uh, Vivica Fox does have a, a part in the film. Eric Avari, who I've seen on a few Europe. other shows. Yep. There you go. <laughs> he's, uh, he's in there. Beth Littleford, who used to be with the daily show. I think mm-hmm. she does some stuff on the Disney channel now. So it's got some names on there. It's got, some people and uh, I, I thought the film was really good. The conceit is it's a, it's a, a, a gentleman who has a long term relationship with a girl, but he decides he's going to break it off. And the conceit of the film is you've got 
different personalities inside their heads, the, mm-hmm. both, both the man and the woman. You've got five people playing different aspects of their personality. You've got the, um, on the guy's side, you've got the uh, chauvinistic, ego-driven guy. You've got the security, financially-minded, safe guy. You've looking got, towards the future. Looking yeah. to the future. You've got the, you've got the actual female part, which is kind of tapping into his native female uh, side of his personality. You've got a young boy who plays him as his younger self, kind of right. reminding him of his youth. Right. And then you had a fifth person, which was kind of the doom and gloom, everything's bad, everything's <laughs> neurotic type of thing. Right. And then you basically have those same type of characters on the female side too. So what's happening is, as we're watching this film, we're watching this relationship deteriorate. We're seeing these characters kind of battle it out up in their heads and trying to help move their 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 host body along in a way. Right. It's an interesting concept. I like the way it was done. I like the way it was played out. First half of the film was a lot more of the comedic, a lot more let's play with the mind stuff. Last half actually got to be a pretty good you know, commentary on relationships and especially how uh, factors in our lives growing up, parental relationships and all that are playing a factor in how we deal with relationships nowadays. And I didn't feel it was heavy-handed at the end where it could have been. Right. You know, no, it was a good, good film. I think especially for the budget, for the for the uh, knowing how much how quickly they put it together. I think he said they shot it in 18 days. Right. Uh, it was a very, very good movie. So uh, kudos to Nathan for putting together a good film. And thanks for bringing it to the Film Society last night. I think a lot of the crowd enjoyed it. That's going to be available on iTunes by the time you hear this. I think it's coming coming out uh, October 15th or so. So I think that's the show will be published after that date. So you can look for it. It's not you. It's me written and directed by Nathan Ives. Definitely uh, something to check out. So Chris, man, we put in a good show here. Uh, Gravity rush. We're both saying are good films. Uh, We seem to like gravity. I don't know. I like gravity a lot more than rush, but I am still saying both films I'm positive on. Sure. Um, You kind of the same way. Maybe maybe. maybe flip flopped. Positive on both of them, but I may actually like Rush. You Rush a little. You like Rush a little better. Interesting. Both definitely ones to check out. We're we're still coming recommended from us. Uh, We talked about some films that are at the and we're at the New York Film Festival. Some of the ones to watch come Oscar time. Chris gave us his one minute reviews of Don John and Runner Runner. Waiting for Mamu here in Hickory Wednesday, October twenty third. Uh, check out footkindle.org for more information. You got to hear how Chris and I are in the movie theater. And then we had recommendations of the films Time Crimes and It's Not You, It's Me. A lot of stuff. A lot, a of, lot stuff. of value packed into your Foot Candle Films hour there or however long we've been talking. So thanks so much for listening to everybody. Again, you can find out more about our film society at footcandle.org. You can learn more about The Mesh by going to themesh.tv. That's T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV, where you can see all the shows we have on the Mesh Network. You can go back and listen to back episodes. It's all free, guys. You don't have to pay a dime to listen to this stuff. Uh, But we do ask, just give us some feedback. You know, talk to us online, post a comment on the website, send us an email, whatever you can. We'd love to help answer more questions or hear your takes on some of these films if you agree or disagree with what we had to say. We get back together next time. We'll have a couple more movie reviews and some movie news to talk about. I think that's it, Chris. Anything we're missing? I'll say two quick things. Uh, follow us on Letterboxd if you yep. can. And then also Foot Candle Film, the film society that we're a part of, we're considering putting on a film festival. So any aspiring filmmakers out there, uh, drop us a line. Let us know you've got something you're working on or maybe something you already have in the can that you might be interested in, in showing at a film festival in uh, the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah, we're, we're shooting for something probably late fall of 2014. We're planning so ahead. about a year in advance, but right. great, great call on that, Chris. Yeah, the Film Society. We are looking at that film festival for a weekend in in, in the fall. So yeah, you got a film you're working.
working on, something you've been involved in, something you're pushing through the film festival circuit, send it our way. The best way to do that is go to the footkindle.org website. And we don't have any information quite yet about the film festival in there yet, but there is a contact us form page. Just fill out that little form, say, hey, I'm interested. I have a film I'd like to show, or I will have a film by next fall. Let's start the dialogue and get, get that going. And we'd love to hear from you on that. Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Foot Candle Films with Alan and Chris. Thanks for listening. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.